Welcome to In the Pursuit of Journey to Self, a podcast that seeks to explore the taboo topics around themes such as identity, love, beauty, religion, and fulfillment. Through this exploration, we hope to embark on a journey of self-discovery and a celebration of the diversity that makes up our society. Join us for our bi-weekly discussions as we discuss our perspectives on Blackness. This podcast is in the pursuit of Journey to Self. Come join us and let us learn together. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining our podcast, In the Pursuit of. Uh, today, we have joining us the Maz Playhouse team for our introductory podcast and to give you our perspectives on our first season's theme of Blackness. So thank you all for joining us. We have with us today Diana, uh, Kitri, Shanita, and Mahalia. Each of them shortly will introduce themselves, give you a little bit about who they are and where they're from. And this season's podcast really surrounds the idea of Blackness and all that that entails, especially with the current climate as it is. We found that it is a very uh, important theme and and a very important uh, topic to explore, not just nationally, but globally. We want to take a look at how is Blackness perceived? How how do different people of color throughout the world experience Blackness? What is their journey? And uh, what are the differences uh, and similarities that exist? And toward that end, we have our team here to explore those ideas and to dive right in and to sort of just start hashing things out or just sharing their own opinions of how they walk through the world. We really wanted to do a podcast like this because we really feel that there is a need for us to dialogue. There is a need for us to talk to each other, even within our own spheres, about uh, how we engage the world. We are not a monolith. We are all different culturally, geographically, and there are many similarities, but there are also many differences. And I think it's in order to really have a, a diverse or to say that, you know, we are a diverse people, we need to really explore that in further depth. I'm Antonavia uh, Ochocoltes. Uh, I'm the CEO founder of Ma's Playhouse. And one of our missions is really to increase the lexicon for Black plays and films of Caribbean and Caribbean American diaspora throughout the globe. And so this is uh, this topic, especially this season, is very close to, to our hearts. So, so thank you for joining us. Uh, so first up, I'll ask Diana to introduce herself, where she's from, and uh, we'll follow in that way before we start. Hi, everyone. My name is Diana Nosa. I am a Nigerian-American, born and raised in Newark, New Jersey. And uh, a little bit about myself, I am a writer slash filmmaker. I am on the Moss Playhouse team as a social media marketer slash research and partnerships intern. And I am also in charge or spearheading the podcast that you are listening to right now. Thank you for joining us. Hi, everyone. I'm Kitri. I'm French from Guadeloupe. 
the French West Indies. And I'm part of the digital marketing and social media uh, team as an intern. And yeah, I'm really happy to share with, with everyone. Hello all, my name is Shanita Rahmayaka. I am um, from the US, uh, but have spent a great deal of my adult life in Asia. So that's led to a number of um, very interesting experiences in, um, in light of this topic. And I, uh, I'm a freelance, both a freelance artist and a freelance uh, brand manager. And pleasure to be here. And finally, we have joining us Mahalia. Hello, everybody. Um, um, <laughs> I'm a Haitian American, um, born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Um, yeah, and I'm a research and partnership intern here at Moss Playhouse. And I am also very excited to have this discussion with you guys. Thank you all. I'm so, I feel so fortunate to have you all on today, and I'm looking forward to, to exploring these questions together. So, the first general question for the group is, what does blackness mean to you? What is this idea? What, what does that mean? When, like, even when thinking about what does that word, when you think of it, what comes to mind when you think of blackness? Okay, so when I hear the word blackness, I think about history and legacy because this is who I am. So I know my story and I know that it's not, it's, it's a long journey for black people. So, so yeah, the first word that came to my mind was history. Um, like the others, um, history definitely comes to mind. Um, I, and I feel like as I travel more and as I get older, that the term black or um, the idea of blackness is just an oversimplification of a very, a number of different tribes and people and ethnicities with, with very distinct journeys that may have some similarities, but have very different stories to tell. Um, so I am definitely in the process of understanding the world in a new way. Um, rather than up until this point, I feel like I, I have the idea of blackness has been defined for me by the people who own former colonies and by what I've been taught in school, whereas I'm now exploring history on my own, exploring cultures on my own. So it's something that is definitely unfolding and developing in a new way for me. So to actually answer that very easily um, is a difficult thing now so more than ever. But it's a, a, a beautiful journey, I think, to discovering more people, more cultures, um, and the beauty and diversity of a very diverse group. So when I think of Blackness, I think in, in a one-word answer, it would just be the experience. It's something about, it's a lived culture that, that can only be explained by, it's by just saying that you have gone through this phenomenon that we, that we all are, who share the same skin, or just same history have can explain only by by just experience. There's no other way to, to explain. It. It's just as vague and as abstract as as can be. It's just it's a way of life that that differs for everybody, but it somehow ties us all together in just one one word. And I guess that's blackness. But and it's it's funny as you're talking it it makes me wonder like who gets to be included and who's excluded from this term right like how do you gain admission and is it something that was meant to sort of uh, 
marginalize or is it something that was simply just meant to distinguish one from another and and how do you how are you on one side or the other like what what determines that uh, like you, you think back to who set the rules up uh for that and why we're still following them so many years later you also mentioned history and uh, mentioning that we have a shared history and uh I would agree with you. And so far, I think we definitely have a shared trauma. And as a result of that trauma, I think many of us across the globe, we now have a fractured history. So how that history has developed since that trauma really has uh, caused extensive fractioning. And, but it also has caused a, a lot of varied cultural growth and nuances uh, and has created so much more diversity, even within the 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 the, or, the the original diversity that was the the African continent. So, so yeah, it's really interesting when you when you think of the word history uh, as a collective for for Black people. Um, all right. So, tell me, do you believe? Uh, that race or ethnicity is something that could be accurately defined? Like, is that something where we're spot on? The encyclopedia says it, this is what, you know, we know to be true. How do you in your own daily lives separate the idea of race and ethnicity? And, and do you even think about it? How does it affect your life uh, on a whole? Uh, as for me, I... I don't think race and ethnicity can be defined. I think it's something that really does change with each generation. Like I think when it was created, you know, as a form of identification rather than identity, people, you know, would be, it would, it, would, it was easier to check one box or, cause we had to just check one box. But as our generation continued to, you know, prove that you don't just have to be one thing. You can identify as as many things as you want to people start to check more than one box and it's starting to become really, the lines starting to become blurred in terms of like, okay, so are you black American or are you Jewish? And then people are like, why, why do I have to choose? Why can't I be both? And so their race could be, um, I don't know if I'm saying this politically correctly, but like black and Jew, you know, or it could just, it doesn't have to be just one thing. Um, I, for me personally, I understand that even though I'm like, pretty much 99% Nigerian, like I never encounter race at, that much at all in terms of like um, not knowing where do I, I define myself because I just know 99%. But as far as the whole world, basically, that 1% for me could be German. And if I decide to identify as German one day, no one can really tell me I can't, you know? So I think as time progressed and as people start to realize like I can we can be more than one thing we don't have to just be one race one ethnicity people start to identify as many many things and I think it's a positive that it can't be defined like race and ethnicity just simply cannot be defined well it's so you said so many things there I just started writing just started writing it down one of the things that you said that really stuck out with me is identification not identity Right. Mm -hmm. Identification, not identity. And that's so true because now what was once used to I identify you has now become your identity. You've now been branded with this. And uh, now that you, you also spoke about checking more than one box and the lines being blurred. And 
it's so important that that happens because it feels like the more we're able to put each other in just singular boxes, then the more division that that creates in and of itself. Uh, but there, there, there's definitely a reason I feel like that that came about, especially with like we're talking about checking more than one box now. It and you can tell me, you know, how you all feel about this. But there was a time that if you were like two percent, five percent black, you don't want to check that box because it endangered your life because it lowered your standing in the view of the world, in the eyes of the world. So uh, saying that you had any percentage of you really put you at risk for, for harm and definitely for being marginalized within the, the society as a whole. But now it seems that things are changing, however slowly in that area. Yeah, so, so things are changing. And so we don't, we we are able to start checking those those other boxes, or are we? Does it depend on where you are geographically? What do I you think? Thank you. Sorry, just interject here. You really bring up an important point. Uh, back then, it was dangerous. Like the was it the one eighth rule back then? I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, yeah. Even if you just a little drop of black, you were identified as black, and you will be persecuted as black, treated as black. And of course, now that it's okay hallelujah, to be black. Like now people are fine to check it. Even if they have 0.001% black, some people claim that. Um, but unfortunately in some places, I know that some places like um, are still going through the aftermath of genocide. So granted America was able to quote unquote escape it. There's some countries that are still currently going through genocide. So if you do identify, for example, as a uh, a certain race or ethnicity, people would target you. So I think it really does depend on geographic location, like you said. Um, well, for me, I believe they can be accurately defined just because whoever created them can accurately define them based on whatever definition they created. I always, I come from an anthropological background. So when I look at humanity, um, at the beginning of humanity, we, we didn't use those terms to define ourselves. It was tribal it was nationality. And with time, someone came in and decided to superimpose these new terms, such as race and ethnicity, which murkied things. They were new. Along with that came along, um, excuse me, along with that came colonialism and, and lines being drawn that began to redefine all of those things that we, um, we previously knew. So I say all of that to say it can be, do I adhere to them? No. Yeah. And you mentioned tribal, that the, 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 there was more of a duality of like tribal, tribalism and nationality. Like the, you were, you were either in this tribe or you belong to this nation. Uh, and the first calls to my community. When you think of tribes, you think of community. When you think of nationality, you think of country. And uh, so that seems more specifically, uh, you know, lines that you can get behind in terms of grouping, you know, putting groups of people together. Uh, as you said, nationality, it rang a bell for me because uh, just I'm from Trinidad and Tobago. And that is really how we have always defined ourselves. It is it has always been nationality first, uh, race uh, far second. Now things are also changing in, in in that respect. I I must say, as you know, the world sort of homogenizes, and we sort of, you know, sort of learn good and bad 
habits from the world. Uh, but centrally for us growing up, it really was about I'm Trinidadian. And not until, you know, I came to to America did I have to like further define who I was and further dissect who I was. And it, that was sort of fact, fracturing in its own way because it's like, how much of you is this? How much of you is that? Do you get to claim it? Do you get to claim all of who you are? And so it's interesting that you said that this is where it started and 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 how far we've moved away from that. I would have to agree with that. Even though I am, I would say, I guess, um, first generation and my family, of, of according to them, they don't consider me a full-on Haitian. So I don't, like, my, my accent is not the clearest, I guess, or when I speak Creole, it's not the best. But when I'm around my family and, and everybody in the community, it's interesting to see how they are trying, often trying to keep the 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 ideals of their culture alive because as if it's like some sort of badge of honor if that if that makes sense and mm-hmm. um i'm often seeing like where there's a little bit of a confusion happening because if we are looking at um how we're defined in history books technically speaking we're considered an afro latino country but we don't seem to recognize it as much we are we 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 are french speaking haitian speaking um creole speaking i don't know why <laughs> we are <laughs> you know that's a whole is, that's a conversation all its own it's a whole conversation all its own and what is interesting about it is just that when we in some ways sometimes the language that you speak especially in haiti that would sometimes define even sometimes a class, a certain sense of classism. And you see that also reflected here. Of course, in Haiti, it's a little different. It's not as um, as divided as it is here. But when you come to the, to the U.S. and when I talk to other people, I often see people who will, like, before they say they're Haitian, they will say, I'm, I'm, I'm an Afro-Latino, because it, that means that you, at this point, have identified as being less African or less black or anything of the sort. And it's, it's strange to me because it's like, there are all these different definitions as to how to differentiate yourself from being just black, I guess, just straight on black, but there is so many different ways to, um, I don't know, to, to acknowledge it as well, but people tend to go away from it. And it, it's a strange thing because before, like, like Shanita said, it was tribes and it was other, like, you know, your culture and all these things. But now it's like, are you, how black are you? Are you black enough? Or, you know, how much black is there in you? And all it's just what the percentage is and all these things. And it's just, it's just so much, it's so much confusing, but it's also, it's a good thing though, because, it, you know, there should be a little bit of a little bit of differenti- differentiation between people sometimes because we don't want to be too homogenized as well. But there's also a little bit of confusion happening happening as well. And I think that's um, that can be a little stressful. Well, it, it's, so, it's so funny. You mentioned Afro-Latino and just having all of these different ways to qualify your Blackness. And that sort of brings you back to the question that we, we, we spoke about before. What does Blackness mean to you? The, the Latino has to qualify that I'm not all the way black, 
and it it feels that it it like even just in how we we have to say well you know I do have like seven percent you know Irish or I am nineteen percent Polish you know that we are running from the idea of blackness we you know as you know different sectors within society because you've sort of been told for a long while that black is not good so if you've been put in that category it's sort of been a marginalizing effect so the only way out of it is to is to latch on to the parts of you that can sort of free you from this 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 fate of being black um and uh, you, you've seen that more recently, there's sort of been a backlash uh, in that insofar as the Black community, those of whom who are proudly, proudly Black in their skin now are sort of fighting back and saying, if you have 7% Black in you, these are random numbers, you know, that you are Black. You don't get to claim anybody else. You don't get to reach outside of your race. You don't get to deny us because that's what it's been seen as. It's been seen as a denial of the race to want to claim any part of any other race. And uh, that really comes from our history as well in needing to get out because we taught it, it was, it was harm. It was lower status. It was an entirely different life. If you claimed any part of, uh, of uh, the world of, you know, of blackness of being black. Right, yeah, if I could just interject for a moment. Um, it's funny that you um, say that just because um, someone who can identify as African-American, which I can, and also Latina, um, I, traveling abroad and coming back to America or listening to um, yeah, any sort of program that dealt with that issue, um, uh, particularly of people who have any any percentage of, of black blood, you have to identify as this. I feel like that's a very American, yes, uh, very just, just a very American take on things. Mm-hmm. That and it's it, it's strange to kind of say, but it, in a sense, I feel like it still carries that colonial spirit. Yes, because you, you now feel the need to tell someone else how they must define. So you have. You're, you're trying to hijack, take over, colonize their identity and, and their freedom to identify as they please. Um, so I understand where they're coming from and wanting people to be comfortable with who they are. And that's, that's the beautiful side of it. Um, just really allowing yourself to identify with the, 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 the beautiful aspects of our culture and, and shying away from um, how others have defined um, black cultures, um, particularly African-American cultures in this sense, um, in this case, uh, but being aware that your need to want to hijack someone else's um, freedom to yeah. identify is a colonial spirit in and of itself. So. It definitely is. And I, I love to be a uh, devil's advocate for a moment because I definitely um, agree with you. Uh, but as you mentioned, in terms of, you know, a person's freedom to identify as who they are, it, it almost is. So I would say that their comfort is oppressive to the African, like let's say to, 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 to those, the African-Americans who feel like you are, it's an all or none situation. 
it can be oppressive because it's like you need to identify with your black side because then you are shunning me. It's almost like a personal affront, right? This is how I have perceived this as a non-African American, you know, living here for for quite some time. Um, I could be wrong, and and that's why we have this program to just really keep digging in. But I I am now trying to really try to get inside, you know, the, the, to to really understand the perspective of the African American person who believes that, you know, uh, if you 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 cannot deny your blackness and you cannot claim anything else, uh, you know. So I, just a devil's advocate in that way. I mean, but it's 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 also um, again. Not, not just the colonial spirit, but it's a very American take on things just to demand that someone else define things in the way that you do. Yeah. You're, you're taking away their freedom in, in essence. Yeah. And so yeah. And, and um, you can't, you haven't walked in their shoes. And for me, for example, to identify also as Latina, I'm actually embracing that because for, for Puerto Rico, for example, it's well known that we have roots that come through there. So that's not a denial of it. Actually, it's a further, um, it's, it's just encompassing the other journey that um, happened to have that didn't land on American soil, but came through a Caribbean island, for example. And just giving people the freedom to explore, I think would eventually allow them to come to a place of comfort and eventually embrace that blackness quote unquote, even more, um, just by letting them do the, have that journey on their own. Right. So. By realizing that blackness is, it's, it's, it, there is diversity in what that word means. Exactly. exactly. I would have to agree with both of you. I honestly believe that, um, there is beauty in being able to, um, essentially identify who you are and where you come from and what you, you know, what what you view as yourself. Um, you know, if you are, a, if you're Afro-Latino, then, you know, and you come from a place that has, that celebrates both, then you definitely should identify with that. I want to say for, de- as devil, devil's advocate, that um, I think, and I do agree that um, it is, it is an American thing also to try to force perspective or force, push your opinion onto another person just to kind of fit a box because we like to compartmentalize in America and we like, and it seems like um, putting things in boxes makes things much easier for everybody. Um, and being, being easy and lazy, I guess, unfortunately can be an American thing sometimes, but um, to, to be devil's advocate, I think sometimes what I'm noticing also is, is the intent is where the question lies. It's, if you are distinguishing where your your lineage is, if like for example, you make it a note to say that you have seven percent Irish in you or something of that nature, is is the intent behind it? Is is are you saying it because you are truly proud of it and you just are expressing that as part of who you are? Or are you saying it because you are um, trying to this like you know distinguish yourself as I don't know more than just I guess black. And I don't know if it's a bad thing or not for either one, because I think, I mean, for the for just expressing your your culture and your 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 
your identity is never a bad thing. I think when um, somebody is trying to express some sort of differentiation for the sake of just removing themselves from from a from a marginalized group, I mean, it's more so sad than it is to be like to be demonized. It's more mm-hmm. so of a sad thing because it's like mm-hmm. it just goes to show another part part of our culture that just is being, you know, pushed down again. And I just want, I think that when people are often calling it out, I think they're calling out the, the parts of people who um, have not recognized that yet. And I think they're just trying to get people to pay attention to it and just kind of, you know, hey, just just so you know, you are doing this because of such and such reason, not because, you know, you honestly believe that, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you called it out for a reason. Nobody asks, you know? It, sometimes that's the case and other times it's just that person is just that's who they are like and there's no need to shun them or you know try to shove them down and just be like you are black and just say that right now right. like that's yeah. not that, that's not a necessity but yeah 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 i can relate on what uh shanida said about like in the u.s you have to um identify yourself uh like almost every time because uh, when I moved to New York, that was the first time they asked me, okay, what's your ethnicity? So I was like, okay, why are they asking me that? That, that was really the first time I was uh, 20, 24 years old and I lived in different country and that was the, the first one asking me that. And the choice was limited. So I was like, I don't know. I put others, but what is others? <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, that was pretty confusing for me. And I asked myself, why they ask that? What was the point? And, yeah, as a Caribbean, I I guess it's more and more harder to define who we really are as a race and an ethnicity because um, we are a lot of different uh, ethnicity. Uh, for example, in Guadeloupe, we have European, we have Indian, we have Latin Americans. We can also have so we can be for them. And so, yeah, I believe in my hand that it's really hard to, to define ethnicity t- today. And on my daily life, life it's occur when someone asks me. But if anyone asking me what my ethnicity or my race, that's, that's just okay. We just have... Um, normal conversation, but I think it's really okay when I ask the question when someone say, oh, you have an accent, where do you come from? Which region of Africa I come from? Because I think it's all of them. So, yeah. so. <laughs> that is so true. I, I, I mean, we, uh, that we share that in common because when I first came to America and they asked that question, I too was looking at the other box. I'm like, what would, I'm looking at the other box. I'm Caribbean. We don't, I don't see that box. Mm. Um, I don't see that box. Where is it? Um, And it's because you said no one has actually asked you prior to that moment to dissect who you are and coming from a place where it's nationality first. And there is so much mixing uh, within the country uh, that, 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 that was not a, a a theme that you grew up having to address and wear on your sleeve. Uh, and so it, it really did create a little bit of an existential moment. Like, who am I? I, I almost felt like, wait, do I, I need to research this. Like, ha, like who really am I? Um, but then 
I realized that being here, I didn't really get a choice. Just, just check the, check the box, <laughs> check the box. Um, yeah. And, um, and, and even if complicated for me, um, I mean, from what, from Guadalupe, because in the U.S., no one, like most of people does not know about Guadalupe. So when I say, okay, I'm Caribbean from Guadalupe, they say, what, 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 where is Guadalupe first? And then I say, okay, it's the French, um, colonized uh, island and all of that, but they don't know the, the history. So they're asking me, okay, but what's your origin in Africa? And then the conversation, <laughs> it's a bit complicated. So when I, I mean, when I'm not in France, I'm just say I'm French. That's, that's just easier for me to identify myself as a French. Yeah, to avoid those kind of questions. <laughs> but yeah, usually I, I first identify myself as Caribbean and as a Guadalupean girl. I was just gonna say it's interesting because you're being asked for your the, to identify your African roots by people who likely don't know theirs. Um, so it's just it, it still goes back to the to to you know who has set up these standards, these definitions for us, and just taking a moment to challenge that and and not force everyone to just um, adjust to what your current understanding of those terms yeah. mean. Yeah. Uh, I'd I'd like to add that, like, just thinking about it, it's almost, it's bringing back a little bit of PTSD because for me, like growing up in the Caribbean, my, I can't go very far back on my, um, in my, uh, what is it? My family tree. And because there's been so much migration, there's been so much as a result of this initial trauma no one's record keeping no one's no one's really uh, doing the work to make sure that we remember who we are in 5 years and so for me i i have a very short family tree so when you ask me that as a sort of like casual way like they ask in these spaces whether it's the airport whether you're going for it's 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 all it's not offensive but it's injuring because it reminds you of the trauma. It's like I have to ha I have to have like the closest narrative available for them because the truth is as as Kitri said is so much more complicated and incomplete. And so but what they do at the drop what what is done at the drop of a hat when you bring up like you know who you are what are you is it, they they want an answer that puts you in a specific box and uh, it, it it it's not it's not specific and it's not simple and I, I I wish we would stop pretending that it is to that effect. So if we are agreeing, and this is a tricky one, if we are agreeing that race and identity or identification was really a a construct that was created, do you believe that black individuals can denounce their blackness? And vice versa, as we have, you know, Rachel Dolezal and others who have become infamous for it. Do you believe that non-Black people can pronounce their Blackness? And that brings us back to the whole idea of what is Blackness, right? What are we, what are we define it as? Who gets to define it? And who gets to break out of those roles or break into them? I, I feel like 
people who don't want to want to pronounce their blackness, they can, I think they can denounce the, uh, the black experience, but they can't denounce the black blood that runs through their veins. Like, like if we're talking about in terms of genealogy, yes, you're black. Like there's no way you can just erase that. But if they're talking about the black experience, it's just like in our society, like if you want to identify, you can, if you don't want to identify the freedom to identify is just as valid as the freedom, freedom to not identify. So if someone decides one day, like, you know what, um, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't, I don't really relate to the black experience, whether it's because of childhood trauma of, you know, being called too dark skin or what, or what have you, or whether it's because it just straight up just, you know, unfortunately like self-hate or maybe it's not even that um deprecating it could just be simply because they just don't identify you know they do have the freedom to do so but in terms of the other way around if someone just i i think i feel like if i say it one way i have to say i have to play it another way as well that you you can have some parts where you relate to the black experience but in your blood you're you can't just pronounce that you're black like it doesn't just pop up and be like okay well that zero 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 one percent that I want to identify as that. I mean, if you want to, if it's in your blood, okay. But I don't think that if someone who doesn't have any type of blackness inside of them at all, like none, no ancestors at all, like you have to go all the way back to Adam and Eve, then no, I don't, I don't think that it should be. I don't think that's I think, fair. I think Adam was like 2% black. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, yeah. The records were since burned, but I believe. Right, right. <laughs> right. But yeah, I, I definitely think that um, it's, it's, it's a two-way street, but not really. If that makes sense. If that makes sense. I the, A question came up as you were responding. So you said that they should be able to, but if you are perceived as black by the society, are you actually able to denounce your blackness? Because it would seem to me you can denounce it in your own mind, but right. mm-hmm. nobody else is helping you on that train. If you are, if you, if you look black, mm-hmm. then you don't get to make decisions about opting in or right. opting out. That's what that's what I mean as well. Because yes, you can denounce it, you can do it, but as far as everyone else, like everyone's going to call you what they see you as. And right. that's just like, if me, if I stroll up one day, like, you know what? I'm not a part of the Nigerian culture anymore. Like it doesn't matter. My mom's still going to call me by my Nigerian name. My aunt is probably going to call me my grandmother, my father. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, so I think <laughs> people who denounce it have to also understand that that while their point is valid, that other people's point is valid too. You know, you don't just get to hop on the black experience when you want to and then hop off when you you know when it's no longer serving you if that's the case it's so funny that's exactly what's happening right now though like the hopping on i think we're having a black moment where it's it's i I don't want to use the word popular but it feels like it's it's sort of in right now to identify with with the idea of being black and the struggle itself and and so you're seeing people coming out going, you know, well, I'm, I'm kind of black too. Right. And uh, how, like, how, how do you all feel about that? Like, is that, should they be able to identify with their, their, their blackness if they're not perceived as that, especially in, because of the climate or maybe I'm, you know, maybe it's not because of the climate, but what what do you think in, in general? Uh, for some reason, when I think about what you ask, I think, 
I don't know why, but like you said, like the identifying with the black identity or identifying with the black experience, my mind immediately jumped to, you know, the Black Lives Matter moment when it was in its peak in 2020, where, you know, it was a lot of outrage. And I remember how all the apps, like every app went to like some sort of a black kind of, I don't know, like when you tapped on the app, you knew it was like they were were supporting Black Lives Matter. I'll never forget the day when I went on an app and it undid its Black Lives Matter. Like, okay, we're done. Like, it was like, yeah. I was looking for the app. I'm like, it was black. And then I look back and it's not black anymore. It's just the regular color that it always was. I'm just like, that's really funny. I'm like, someone is- So they were black for a moment. They they popped on the bandwagon, right? Right. For as long as it took them to not be ostracized by the community. Exactly. So that's why I just feel like, yes, people can denounce it, but- people have the um the right to what question your intentions if that's the case like if i could look at that app one more time i just feel like why did you just kind of hop off like even um the only app that i still see supporting black lives matter is i know people don't use it anymore it's tumblr i still use tumblr but they still have black lives matter as their number one top 10 and they i feel like they pinned it there like they haven't moved it since like the beginning of 2020 every other app i've seen nothing else so it's just like in relation to people identifying as like, you know, with the black experience, it's not really fair to people who suffer. And then when it's beneficial for you when it's all cool and the culture is cute and you got the braids and the box braids and the grill Mm -hmm. teeth and everything about hip hop music, that's when you want to hop on. And it's not really fair. It's like, you know, you're either with us through it all or you're not. So I would say for a long time, I was very oblivious to all of this. So I would definitely have been the person that's like, why not let them wear the box braids? I mean, like it would have been like, oh my gosh, this is really is too politically correct at one point because I didn't, uh, I believe I lived in a bubble for most of (laughs) my time. And so what that means is that I, um, even in the midst of this world, sort of like, so everybody is, you know, having this sort of equal opportunity and uh, not liking conflict and not wanting to introduce conflict. I'm like, well, if I could do it, they should be able to do it. And as I learn more myself about history, Caribbean history, American history, world history, it really does become more and more apparent to me why these distinctions are made, why there's terms such as cultural appropriation uh, why it why it's necessary to adhere it because of the history of appropriating uh, culture, and so. But I think for many people, many young people that are out there now, nobody's teaching this in schools, you know. So it it sort of feels like like wh- why struggle? Sometimes it feels like the to the the I think prior to the Black Lives Movement and prior to this pandemic, it, you know, you weren't getting it in your living rooms. It wasn't coming to you. So it sort of seemed like a fight that was already over, not realizing that it 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 has been and percolating under the surface this entire time. Yeah, I want to agree. I think um, something that's interesting too, it's like when you say that it's been there this entire time, it's something that I didn't even notice that was happening, especially because um, I went to a Catholic high school and um, it was very, very segregated. I We had exactly like one table I would say okay so we had a a huge lunchroom and maybe like one or two tables and both of the tables had just just one group of black kids Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that was just it and they called it black nation it was 
so derogatory in every sense of the way, but it was just like, we just kind of just went with it because it was just, it was our identifier. It was how we knew we had a community, I guess, at that point. And it just, we also didn't have an option either because they, they were going to call us that even if we wanted it or not. And no matter how many, how many students decided to fuss about it or anything of the, of the sort, it was going to be that. And it was, we all, we also knew it was us against them at some point in time, because if something were to happen, if somebody, let's say, were to get upset about something and like retaliate, they would, we would be seen as the aggregators and that, like, you know, the ones who were being the aggressors and not the ones who are being, um, Aggressed. Being, <laughs> being exactly being aggressed <laughs> and so um it was just um an interesting thing for me to see that like kind of just kind of blow up in 2015 and then again in 2020 and just multiple times to the point where I just kind of had this fatigue where it's just like I don't even want to say anything anymore at this point because it's been happening and no one's been aware of it and it's interesting because when I was in school and I saw it I was very aware that these a lot of these kids were in a bubble in their world and they were being told things about us that were not true and they would walk up to school and I remember this one kid used to be like he used to walk up to me and be like so I hear you hear like gunshots gunshots outside of your house every day what's that like and I was like gunshots what like um I hear birds I don't know like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about those gun toting gun toting birds outside gun toting right yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like you know these ridiculous stereotypes that they just would come up with and just kind of like say and like repeat and like even professors would walk up and be like yo what's up sis how you doing and they're like what like, that did not talk to you this way I don't know why you're talking this way and like it, it was you know what I mean and you just kind of go along with it because that's just how you I had to identify at that point because you had no other way to identify and um it was even more confusing, especially if you were a Caribbean American in, in the school. And, you know, we had other girls who were from like um, Trinidad and who were from Guyana and they did not necessarily, they looked like, you know, mm-hmm. they looked more so the um, quote unquote, like typical Indian look aesthetic, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And they, they, but they identified as being black. And so for them, it was also kind of confusing because they sat with us and they mm-hmm. were experiencing it all as well, but they were also being asked by other girls like so if your hair is like straight then why do you sit with them like what like you know just like ridiculous questions I mean I when I tell you ridiculous it's to the point where it just kind of numbs me now but it just is interesting to me that it there is still so many I mean I can't say that it's interesting I just it is interesting that there are African-Americans who have not experienced it because to me it's it feels like it's everywhere but that's because I was put into a very concentrated group of people who were very highly um biased but if I were to be put in I guess another another school maybe like another um area in Brooklyn where that was more black than it was um, white maybe I would have noticed a different kind of dynamic but I just thought it was very interesting that for a lot of African-Americans, they were very much shocked by it. They were just like, what is happening? Like, what is this? And I was just like, this is life in America, at least. And yeah, take me back to Haiti, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it, it, you're you're speaking and the closest, because that's 
you know, I don't have a frame of reference for that, like growing up. And the closest thing I'm thinking of is Mean Girls. It's And for me, that's TV, right? You know, everything that in this day and age that people are leave, uh, are living those lives where they're, you know, there's that sort of segregation happening within the school system. I think for a very long time, I really thought that the worst was behind us and we were well on our way moving forward. And now... <laughs> Now you kind of see that we have so much further to go. I'd like to make a note that we're doing this podcast uh, on the day that Georgia has just won. And, uh, and so there, there is a lot happening around the country. Well, a lot happening <laughs> right now in general. And so I think these discussions are very timely in that way. All right. Final question uh, for the group. With all of these protests, like Black Lives Matter protests, and with everybody's eyes now firmly on the idea of the inequality and the inequity that is uh, that exists between uh, the the white culture and all other cultures, particularly the Black culture, where would you like to see the Black community go? in in the coming year like what would you what would look like progress to you in a year from now or five years from now from where we are today um i guess i can start and i would say um freedom and and i don't mean that in the sense of um being released from any sort of uh slavery or um modern day slavery like as some people would like to call it but i i mean that in a sense of like freedom free of mind and um free of trauma of course that's being free of trauma is um not necessarily the easiest and not may not even be possible but i guess unloading some of the baggage and with that i would hope to see a future where people are accepting of one another and being un- and black people being allowed to express themselves and be free and be open as possible and be able to identify themselves as, as, as others and um, do things that are not quote unquote black. Like I, I, I guess for me, an example would be like me not growing up watching boys in the hood because that wasn't a culture in our household. And that me, you know, that being a thing where it's like, Oh, you're not black enough because you didn't watch that, that, you know I mean? That, that not being a, a topic anymore, that just being okay. Well, that it doesn't make me a black person. It just, makes it your favorite movie um I guess I don't know but um you know yeah um being able to just remove ourselves from these like stigmas and these uh, stereotypes and just being free of that and letting go of the hurt so that we are not hurting each other anymore in this way and not hurting each other in the sense of you know having these um colorism issues and these uh demographic and uh, class issues anymore, you know, none, none of these things. I just would like to see us just be, and that's, and that's that, and, and allow us to be together. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I, from the, the Black Lives Matter uh, movement, okay, so, so this movement put the light on what's going what's really going on in the world right now. And I mean, I, I think, I I hope that uh, people open their 
their eyes on what's going on because I think that a lot of people thought that racism was over, like in the 19th centuries, but with all going on right now, like we can obviously see that this is not over. And we are um, with a generation that want to speak out about uh, those issues. So I hope that Black people will go first on a healing process uh, because it's also put on the light uh, the trauma that we, we have. So I hope that we can first go on this healing process and then that everybody can just um, live together and open their mind and be tolerant between each other. Uh, I mean, this is my, my hope for the Black community, that I don't want all the communities to be like more separated by, by this movement, but I also want that we all understand each other and we can like move forward together for a better world. It might seem like a topic, but is <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is what I what I hope and but I'm also think that everything is like is like a cycle. Like racism was something really huge like in the past. Then there was like a how to say a blind period that okay does not exist anymore and now, now it's coming back. But yeah, I believe that like in years that's gonna go down again and that we come back again like a few decades after yeah. everything is is sitting and I believe that that depends on the generation we are. Because for example, um my my par my parents generation like they like they go quiet about it, about racism and all the the injustice they live because they just wanted to have a better life for their children. And now that we are those children that have that better life, so we are talking, so we believe that we have the right and the law for us to speak about it. So, yeah, I, I'm also believe that this is uh, a cycle. And so, so unfortunately, that will not go away, but yeah, I hope like next generation will be also bold to 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 raise their voice about it. I think community as the black community can do by taking that frustration and anger and sadness that we're, you know, that things are so stacked against us and that the odds are never on our side. Like we could take that and just say, you know what, actually I'm gonna do it anyway and I'm gonna do it better. Like for me I look at, you know, the past people who can never I mean who had who struggled with you know, making films and getting an industry. And, you know, of course that hurts. Like, of course I realize, like, I can't ignore that, you know, it hurts that I can't just, you know, be as on, on level as, you know, my fellow counterparts, but I don't just say, take it and just sulk. I just feel like I, I just take that pain and go, all right, let's see how I cannot make it. Um, I can make it better for not only myself, but my children, my children's children, children, and, and for generations to come. So I would love to see the black community break this general generational cycle of pain and trauma and just really just channel it into winning. Cause I know that we were born and destined to be winners. So let's walk in it. Wow. That sounds like a word right there. That sounds like a testimony. Thank you. <laughs> no problem.
Um, so where I would like to see the black community in the future, scales removed, eyes wide open. That's it. Say that again. You said scales removed. Eyes wide open. Eyes wide open. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I feel really, really lucky to engage in these conversations with all of you today. I really do. This is our inaugural podcast on In the Pursuit of, and this season we're covering In the Pursuit of Blackness. And to really, for, for, for a long while, I've had so many questions concerning how people, how people live in general, and even more so, how now more so than ever, how Black people live across the globe how how what their lived experiences are because I'm realizing that the world that I have grown up in is very different to the world that many other people have grown up in and I really am excited and I feel honored to be able to to explore the nuances of it so we really get to understand each other on a level that that goes beyond a a, a superficial understanding of color of race or, or of ethnicity so thank you all for joining us today in the coming months we're going to continue exploring this conversation uh, with many different guests and the theme of blackness will take a lot of different twists and turns uh, uh, as we reach out across the globe to continue this exploration so make sure to to chime in, make sure to follow us on Moss Playhouse, on our IG handles. We're on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook, uh, we're on Twitter. Uh, you can find us at any of those platforms and, and be sure to join us on Spotify uh, for our regular podcasts. So thank you once again. We look forward for you all joining us on this journey to find what Blackness means to many of us. So until then, have a good day. I'll see you all soon. Bye. This podcast has been powered by Mars Playhouse, a theater and film company dedicated to increasing the lexicon of black plays and films emanating from the Caribbean and its diaspora throughout the globe. Thank you for your support in growing this podcast community. Don't forget to hit the like button. And follow us on IG, Facebook, and Twitter at Mars Playhouse for details on upcoming podcasts and content surrounding the Caribbean and its diaspora.